0: part three of the man in the moon this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by thomas copeland the man in the moon by francis godwin part three for the time now approached when of necessity all the people of our stature and so myself among the rest must needs sleep for some thirteen or fourteen whole days together so it cometh to pass there by a secret power and unresistible degree of nature that when the day beginneth to appear and the moon to be enlightened by the sunbeams which is at the first quarter of the moon all such people as exceed not very much our stature inhabiting those parts they fall into a dead sleep and are not possibly to be awakened till the sun be set and withdrawn out of their sight even as owls and bats with us cannot endure the light so we see there at the first approach of the day begin to be amazed with it and fall immediately into a slumber which groweth by little and little into a dead sleep till this light depart from thence again which is not in fourteen or fifteen days to wit until the last quarter he thinks now i hear some man to demand what manner of light there is in that world during the absence of the sun to resolve you for that point you shall understand that there is a light of two sorts one of the sun which i might not endure to behold and another of the earth that of the earth was now at the highest for that when the moon is in the change then is the earth unto them in the moon like a full moon with us and as the moon increaseth with us so the light of the earth decreaseth with them i then found the light there though the sun were absent equal unto that with us in the daytime when the sun is covered with clouds but toward the quarter it little and little diminisheth, yet leaving still a competent light, which is somewhat strange. But much stranger is that which was reported unto me there, how that in the other hemisphere of the moon, I mean contrary to that I happened upon, where during half the moon they see not the sun, and the earth never appeareth unto them, they have notwithstanding a kind of light, not unlike by their description to our moonlight, which it seemeth the propinquity of the stars and other planets, so much nearer unto them than us, affordeth. Now you shall understand that of the true lunars there be three degrees, some beyond the pitch of our stature a good deal, as perhaps ten or twelve foot high, that can endure the day of the moon, when the earth shineth but little, but not endure the beams of both. At such time they must be content to be laid asleep. Others there are of twenty foot high, or somewhat more, that in ordinary places endure all light, both of earth and sun. Mary, there is a certain island, the mysteries whereof none may know, whose stature is not at least twenty-seven foot high, I mean, of the measure of the standard of Castile. If any other come a-land there in the moon's daytime, they fall asleep immediately. This island they call God's island, or Insula Martini, in their language, they say it hath a particular governor, who is, as they report, of age sixty five thousand moons, which amounteth to five thousand of our years. His name is said to be Hiruch, and he commandeth after a sort over Idinosaur himself, especially in that island out of which he never cometh. There is another repairing much thither, they say is half his age and upwards to wit about thirty-three thousand moons, or twenty-six hundred of our years. And he commandeth in all things, throughout the whole globe of the moon, concerning matters of religion, and the service of God, as absolutely as our Holy Father the Pope doth in any part of Italy. I would fain have seen this man, but I might not be suffered to come near him. His name is Emoses. Now give me leave to settle myself to a long night's sleep. My attendants take charge of my birds, prepare my lodging, and signify to me by signs how it must be with me. It was about the middle of September when I perceived the air to grow more clear than ordinary, and with the increasing of the light I began to feel myself first dull, then heavy, and willing to sleep, although I had not lately been hindered from taking mine ease that way. I delivered myself at last into the custody OF THIS SISTER OF DEATH, WHOSE PRISONER I WAS FOR ALMOST A FORTNIGHT AFTER. AWAKING, THEN, IT IS NOT TO BE BELIEVED HOW FRESH, HOW NIMBLE, HOW VIGOROUS I FOUND ALL THE FACULTIES, BOTH OF MY BODY AND MIND. IN GOOD TIME, THEREFORE, I SETTLED MYSELF IMMEDIATELY TO THE LEARNING OF THE LANGUAGE, WHICH, A MARVELOUS THING TO CONSIDER, IS ONE OF THE SAME THROUGHOUT ALL THE REGIONS OF THE MOON yet so much the less to be wondered at, because I cannot think all the earth of moon to amount to the fortieth part of our inhabited earth, partly because the globe of the moon is much less than that of the earth, and partly because their sea or ocean covereth, in estimation, three parts of four, if not more, whereas the superficies of our land may be judged equivalent and comparable in measure to that of our seas. The difficulty of that language is not to be conceived, And the reasons thereof are especially two. First, because it hath no affinity with any other that ever I heard. Secondly, because it consisteth not so much of words and letters as of tunes and uncouth sounds that no letters can express. For you have few words, but they signify diverse and several things, and they are distinguished only by their tunes that are, as it were, sung in the utterance of them. Yea, many words there are, consisting of tunes only, so as if they list, they will utter their minds by tunes without words. For example, they have an ordinary salutation among them, signifying, verbatim, Glory be to God alone, which they express, as I take it, for I am no perfect musician, by this tune without any words at all. Bum, 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 Yea, the very names of men they will express in the same sort. When they were disposed to talk of me before my face, so as I should not perceive it, this was Gonzales, BUM, 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 bum. By occasion hereof I discern means of framing a language, and that easy soon to be learned, as copious as any other in the world, consisting of tunes only, whereof my friends may know more at leisure as it please them. This is a great mystery, and worthier the searching after than at first you would imagine. Now, notwithstanding the difficulty of this language, within two months' space I had attained unto such knowledge of the same as I understand most questions to be demanded of me, and what with signs and what with words, make reasonable shift to utter my mind, which thing being certified unto Pylonus, he sent for me oftentimes, and will be pleased to give me knowledge of many things that my guardians durst not declare unto me. Yet this I will say of them, that they never abused me with any untruth that I could perceive, but if I asked a question that they liked not to resolve me in, they would shake their heads and with a spanish shrug pass over to other talk after seven months space it happened that the great Iranazor, making his progress to a place some two hundred leagues distant from the place of pilonus sent for me the history of that journey and the conference that passed between us shall be related at large in my second book only thus much thereof at this time that he would not admit me into his presence talked with me through a window, where I might hear him, and he both hear and see me at pleasure. I offered him the remainder of my jewels, which he accepted very thankfully, telling me that he would requite them with gifts of another manner of value. It was not above a quarter of a moon that I stayed there, before I was sent back unto Pylonus again, and so much the sooner, because, if we had stayed but a day or two longer, the sun would have overtaken us, before we could have recovered our home. The gifts he bestowed on me were such as a man would forsake mountains of gold for and they were all stones to wit nine in number and those of three sorts whereof one they call POLASTIS, another macrus and third ebolus of each sort three the first are of the bigness of a hazelnut very like unto jet which among many other incredible virtues hath this property that being once heat in the fire they ever after retain their heat, though without any appearance, until they be quenched with some kind of liquor, whereby they receive no detriment at all, though they be heat and quenched ten thousand times. And their heat is so vehement, as they make red-hot any metal that shall come within a foot of them, and being put in a chimney will make a room as warm as if a great fire were kindled in the same. The macras, yet far more precious than the other, is of the colour of topaz, so shining and resplendent, as though not past the bigness of a bean, yet, being placed in the midst of a large church in the night-time, it maketh it all light, as if a hundred lamps were hanged up round about it. Can you wish for properties in a stone of greater use than these? Yes, my Ebalus will afford you that which I dare say will make you prefer him before these. Yea, and all diamonds, sapphires, rubies, and emeralds, that our world can yield, were they laid in a heap before you. To say nothing of the colour, the lunar, whereof I made mention before, which notwithstanding is so incredibly beautiful as a man should travel a thousand leagues to behold it, the shape is somewhat flat, of the breadth of a pistolet, and twice the thickness. The one side of this, which is somewhat more orient of color than the other, being clapped to the bare skin of a man in any part of his body, it taketh away from it all weight, or ponderousness, whereas, turning the other side, it addeth force unto the attractive beams of the earth, either in this world or that, and maketh the body to weigh half so much again as it did before." do you marvel now why i should so overprize this stone before you see me on earth again you shall understand more of the value of this kind and unvaluable gem i inquired amongst them whether they had not any kind of jewel or other means to make a man invisible which methought had been a thing of great and extraordinary use and i could tell that divers of our learned men had written many things to that purpose they answered that if it were a thing feasible, yet they assured themselves that God would not suffer it to be revealed to us creatures subject to so many imperfections, being a thing so apt to be abused to ill purposes, and that was all I could get of them. Now after it was known that Irdanazor the great monarch had done me this honor, it is strange how much all men respected me more than before my guardians which hitherto were very nice in relating anything to me concerning the government of that world now became somewhat more open so as i could learn partly of them and partly of Pylonus what i shall deliver unto you concerning that matter whereof i will only give you a taste at this time referring you unto a more ample discourse in my second part which at my return into spain you shall have at large but not till then for causes heretofore related in a thousand years it is not found that there is either whoremonger amongst them whereof these reasons are to be yielded there is no want of anything necessary for the use of man food groweth everywhere without labor and that of all sorts to be desired for raiment housing or anything else that you may imagine possible for a man to want or desire it is provided by the command of superiors though not without labor yet so little, as they do nothing but as it were playing, and with pleasure. Again, their females are all of an absolute beauty, and I know not how it cometh to pass by a secret disposition of nature there, that a man, having once known a woman, never desireth any other. As for murder, it was never heard of amongst them. Neither is it a thing almost possible to be committed, for there is no wound to be given which may not be cured, they assured me and i for my part do believe it that although a man's head be cut off yet if any time within the space of three moons it be put together and joined to the carcass again with the appointment of the juice of a certain herb there growing it will be joined together again so as the party wounded shall become perfectly whole in a few hours but the chief cause is that through an excellent disposition of that nature of people there all young and old do hate all manner of vice and do live in such love peace and amity as it seemeth to be another paradise true it is that some are better disposed than other but that they discern immediately at the time of their birth and because it is an inviolable decree amongst them never to put any one to death perceiving by the stature and some other notes they have who are likely to be of a wicked or imperfect disposition THEY SEND THEM AWAY, I KNOW NOT BY WHAT MEANS, (laughs) INTO THE EARTH, AND CHANGE THEM FOR OTHER CHILDREN, BEFORE THEY SHALL HAVE EITHER ABILITY OR OPPORTUNITY TO DO AMISS AMONG THEM. BUT FIRST, THEY SAY, THEY ARE FAIN TO KEEP THEM THERE FOR A CERTAIN SPACE, TILL THAT THE AIR OF OUR EARTH MAY ALTER THEIR COLOR TO BE LIKE UNTO OURS. AND THEIR ORDINARY VENT FOR THEM IS A CERTAIN HIGH HILL IN THE NORTH OF AMERICA, whose people i can easily believe to be wholly descended of them partly in regard of their colour partly also in regard of the continual use of tobacco which the lunars use exceeding much as living in a place abounding wonderfully with moisture as also for the pleasure they take in it and partly in some other respects too long now to be rehearsed sometimes they mistake their aim and fall upon christendom asia or afric marry it is but seldom I remember some years since that I read certain stories, tending to the confirmation of these things delivered by these lunars, as especially one chapter of Gil Nibrigensis de Reb Angel. It is toward the end of the first book, but the chapter I cannot particularly resign. Then see Inigo Mondejar, in his description of Nueva Granada, the second book, as also Josef de Sia de Carana, in his History of Mexico. If my memory fail me not, you will find that in these, which will make my report much the more credible. But for testimonies I care not. May I once have the happiness to return home in safety, I will yield such demonstrations of all I deliver, as shall quickly make void all doubt of the truth thereof. If you will ask me further of the manner of government amongst the lunars, and how justice is executed, alas, what need is there of exemplary punishment? Where there are no offences committed. They need there no lawyers, for there is never any contention. The seeds thereof, if any begin to sprout, being presently by the wisdom of the next superior pulled up by the roots. And as little need is there of physicians. They never misdiet themselves, their air is always temperate and pure, neither is there any occasion at all of sickness, as to me it seemed at least for i could not hear that ever any of them were sick but the time that nature hath assigned unto them being spent without any pain at all they die or or rather i should say cease to live as a candle to give light when that which nourisheth it is consumed i was once at the departure of one of them which i wondered much to behold for notwithstanding the happy life he led and multitude of friends and children he should forsake As soon as certainly he understood and perceived his end to approach, he prepared a great feast, and calling about him all those he especially esteemed of, he bids them be merry and rejoice with him, for that the time was come he should now leave the counterfeit pleasures of that world, and be made partaker of all true joys and perfect happiness. I wondered not so much at his constancy as the behaviour of those his friends. With us, in the like case, all seemed to mourn when often some of them do but laugh in their sleeves or as one says under advisart they all on the other side young and old both seemingly and in my conscience sincerely did rejoice thereat so as if any dissembled it was but their own grief conceived for their own particular loss their bodies being dead putrefy not and therefore are not buried but kept in certain rooms ordained for that purpose so, as most of them can show their ancestors' bodies uncorrupt for many generations. There is never any rain, wind, or change of the air, never either summer or winter, but as it were a perpetual spring, yielding all pleasure, all content, and that free from any annoyance at all. O oh, my wife and children, what wrong have you done me to bereave me of the happiness of that place? But it maketh no matter, for by this voyage, Am I sufficiently assured that ere long the race of my mortal life being run, I shall attain a greater happiness elsewhere, and that everlasting? It was the ninth day of September that I began to ascend from El Pico. Twelve days I was upon my voyage, and arrived in that region of the moon that they call Simiri, September the 21st following. The twelfth day of May being Friday, we came unto the court of the great Irdanazor, and returned back the seventeenth, Under the palace of Pylonus. There I continued till the month of March, in the year 1601. At that time I earnestly besought Pylonus, as I had often done before, to give me leave to depart, though with never so great hazard of my life, back into the earth again. He much dissuaded me, laying before me the danger of the voyage, the misery of that place from whence I came, and the abundant happiness of that I was now in. But the remembrance of my wife and children, overweighed all these reasons, and, to tell you the truth, I was so far forth moved with a desire of that deserved glory, that I might purchase at my return, as methought I deserved not the name of Spaniard, if I would not hazard twenty lives, rather than lose but a little possibility of the same. Wherefore, I answered him, that my desire of seeing my children was such, as I knew I could not live any longer, if I were once out of hope of the same. When then he desired one year's stay longer, I told him it was manifest I must depart now or never. My birds began to droop for want of their wonted migration. Three of them were now dead, and if a few more failed, I was forever destitute of all possibility of returning. With much ado, at last he condescended unto my request, having first acquainted the great Erdan Azor with my desire, then perceiving by the often baying of my birds a great longing in them to take their flight, I trimmed up my engine, and took my leave of Pylonus, who, for all the courtesy he had done me, required of me but one thing, which was faithfully to promise him that if ever I had means thereunto, I should salute from him Elizabeth, whom he termed the great Queen of England, calling her the most glorious of all women living, and, indeed, he would often question with me of her, and therein delighted so much, as it seemed he was never satisfied in talking of her. He also delivered unto me a token, or present for her, of no small value. Though I account her an enemy of Spain, I may not fail of performing this promise as soon as I shall be able so to do. Upon the twenty-ninth day of March, being Thursday, three days after my awakening from the moon's light, I fastened myself to mine engine, not forgetting to take with me, besides the jewels Irdanazor had given me, with whose use and virtues Pylonus had acquainted me at large, a small quantity of victual. Wherefore afterward I had great use, as shall be declared. An infinite multitude of people, and amongst the rest Pylonus himself, being present, after I had given him the last basalus manus, I let loose the reins unto my birds, who with great greediness, taking wing, quickly carried me out of their sight. It fell out with me, as in my first passage. I never felt either hunger or thirst, till I arrived in China, upon a high mountain, some five leagues from the high and mighty city of Pachin. This voyage was performed in less than nine days. I heard no news, by the way, of these airy men which I had seen in my ascending. No thing stayed my journey any whit at all, whether it was the earnest desire of my birds to return to the earth, where they had missed one season, or that the attraction of the earth so much stronger than that of the moon furthered their labor, so it came to pass although now i had three birds wanting of those i carried forth with me for the first eight days my birds flew before and i with the engine was as it were drawn by them the ninth day when i began to approach under the clouds i perceived myself and my engine to sink towards the earth and go before them i was then horribly afraid lest my birds not being able to bear our weight they being so few should be constrained to precipitate both me and themselves headlong to the earth. Wherefore I thought it no less than needful to make use of the ebulus, one of the stones bestowed upon me by Irdanazor, which I clapped to my bare flesh within my hose, and it appeared manifestly thereupon unto me that my birds made their way with much greater ease than before, as being lightened of a great burthen. Neither do I think it possible for them to have let me down safely unto the earth without that help china is a country so populous as i think there is hardly a piece of ground to be found in the most barren parts of the same though but thrice a man's length which is not most carefully manured i being yet in the air some of the country people had espied me and came running unto me by troops they seized upon me and would needs by and by carry me unto an officer i seeing no other remedy yielded myself unto them but when i essayed to go i found myself so light that i had much ado one foot peeing upon the ground to set down the other that was by reason of my ebulus so applied as it took quite away all weight and ponderousness from my body wherefore bethinking myself what was to be done i feigned a desire performing the necessity of nature which by signs made known unto them for they understood not a word of any language i could speak they permitted me to go aside among a few bushes assuring themselves that for me to escape from them was impossible Being there, I remembered the directions Hylonas had given me concerning the use of my stones, and first I took them all together, with a few jewels yet remaining of those I had brought out of India, and knit them up in my handkerchief, all except one, the least and worst ebulus. Him, I found means to apply, in such sort unto my body, as but the half of his side touched my skin, whereby it came to pass that my body then had but half the weight, that being done, I drew towards these my guardians, till seeing them come somewhat near together, they could not cross my way, I showed them a fair pair of heels. This I did to the end I might recover an opportunity of finding my stones and jewels, which I knew they would rob me of, if I prevented them not. Being thus lightened, I bid them such a base, as had they been all upon the backs of so many zebras, they could never have overtaken me. I directed my course unto a certain thick wood, into which I entered some a quarter of league, and then, finding a pretty spring which I took for my mark, hard by it, I thrust my jewels into a little hole made by a want or some such-like creature. Then I took out of my pocket my victuals, to which in all my voyage I had not till then any desire, and refreshed myself therewith, till such time as the people pursuing me had overtaken me, into whose hands I quietly delivered myself. THEY LED ME UNTO A MEAN OFFICER, WHO, UNDERSTANDING THAT ONCE I HAD ESCAPED FROM THEM THAT FIRST APPREHENDED ME, CAUSED A CERTAIN SEAT TO BE MADE OF BOARDS, INTO WHICH THEY CLOSED ME IN SUCH SORT AS ONLY MY HEAD WAS AT LIBERTY, AND THEN CARRIED ME UPON THE SHOULDERS OF FOUR SLAVES, LIKE SOME NOTORIOUS malefactor, BEFORE A MAN OF GREAT AUTHORITY, WHOM, IN THEIR LANGUAGE, AS AFTER I LEARNED, THEY CALLED A MANDARIN, ABIDING A DAY'S JOURNEY OFF, to wit one league distant from the great and famous city of pachin or pakin uh, by the chinese called suntin their language i could no way understand only this i could discern that i was for something or other accused with a great deal of vehemence the substance of this accusation it seems was that i was a magician as witnessed by my strange carriage in the air THAT, BEING A STRANGER, AS APPEARED BY MY BOTH LANGUAGE AND HABIT, I, CONTRARY TO THE LAWS OF CHINA, ENTERED INTO THE KINGDOM WITHOUT WARRANT, AND THAT PROBABLY WITH NO GOOD INTENT. THE MANDARIN HEARD THEM OUT WITH A GREAT DEAL OF COMPOSED GRAVITY, AND BEING A MAN OF QUICK APPREHENSION, AND WITH ALL STUDIOUS OF NOVELTIES, HE ANSWERED THEM THAT HE WOULD TAKE SUCH ORDER WITH ME AS THE CASE REQUIRED, AND THAT MY BOLD ATTEMPT SHOULD NOT WANT ITS DESERVED PUNISHMENT. But having dismissed them, he gave orders to his servants that I should be kept in some remote part of his vast palace, and be strictly watched, but courteously used. This do I conjecture by what at the present I found, and what after followed, for my accommodation was every way better than I could expect. I lodged well, fared well, was attended well, and could not fault anything but my restraint. In this manner I did continue many months— afflicted with nothing so much as with the thought of my gansas, which I knew must be irrecoverably lost, as indeed they were. But in this time, by my own industry and the forwardness of those that accompanied me, I was grown indifferent ready in the ordinary language of that province, for almost every province in China hath its proper language, whereat I discerned they took no small content. I was at length to take the air, and brought into the spacious garden of that palace a place of excellent pleasure and delight, as being planted with herbs and flowers of admirable both sweetness and beauty, and almost infinite variety of fruits, both European and others, as all those composed with that rare curiosity that I was ravished with the contemplation of such delightful objects. But I had not here long recreated myself, yet the mandarin entered the garden on that side where I was walking, And being advertised thereof by his servants, and wished to kneel down unto him, as I after found it to be the usual public reverence to those great officers, I did so, and humbly craved his favour towards a poor stranger that arrived in those parts not by his own destination, but by the secret disposal of the heavens. He, in a different language, which all the mandarins, as I have since learned, do use, and that, like that of the lunars, did consist much of tunes, BUT WAS BY ONE OF HIS SERVANTS INTERPRETED TO ME. HE, I SAY, WISHED ME TO BE OF GOOD COMFORT, AND THAT HE INTENDED NO HARM UNTO ME, AND SO PASSED ON. THE NEXT DAY I WAS COMMANDED TO COME BEFORE HIM, AND SO CONDUCTED INTO A SUMPTUOUS DINING-ROOM EXQUISITELY PAINTED AND ADORNED. THE MANDARIN, HAVING COMMANDED ALL TO AVOID THE ROOM, vouchsafed CONFERENCE WITH ME IN THE VULGAR LANGUAGE, INQUIRING FIRST OF THE ESTATE OF MY COUNTRY, THE POWER OF MY PRINCE, the religion and manners of the people. Wherein, being satisfied by me, he at last descended to the particulars of my education and studies, and what brought me into this remote country. Then did I at large declare unto him the adventure of my life, only omitting here and there what particulars I thought good, for bearing especially any mention of the stones given me by Erdenazel. The strangeness of my story did much amaze him and finding in all my discourse nothing any way tending to magic, wherein he had hoped by my means to have gained some knowledge, he began to admire the excellence of my wit, applauding me for the happiest man that this world had ever produced, and, wishing me to repose myself after my long narration, he for that time dismissed me. After this, the Mandarin took such delight in me that no day passed wherein he sent not for me at length he advised me to apparel myself in the habit of country which i willingly did and gave me not only the liberty of his house but took me also abroad with him when he went to paquin whereby i had the opportunity by degrees to learn the disposition of the people and the policy of the country which i shall reserve for my second part neither did i by this my attendance on him gain only the knowledge of these things but the possibility also of being restored to my native soil and to those dear pledges which I value above the world, my wife and children. For by often frequenting Paquin, I at length heard of some fathers of the society that would become famous for the extraordinary favour by the king vouchsafed them, to whom they had presented some European trifles as clocks, watches, dials, and the like, which with them passed for exquisite rarities. To them by the Mandarin's leave I repaired, was welcomed by them, they much wondering to see a lay spaniard there whither they had with so much difficulty obtained to arrive there did i relate to father Pantoja and those others of the society these four related adventures by whose directions i put them in writing and sent this story of my fortunes to Macao, from thence to be conveyed for spain as a forerunner of my return and the mandarin being very indulgent unto me i came often under the fathers with whom i consulted about many secrets with them also did i lay a foundation for my return the blessed hour whereof i do with patience expect that by enriching my country with the knowledge of hidden mysteries i may once reap the glory of my fortunate misfortunes finis imprimator matthew clay the last day of july sixteen thirty eight End of Part 3 End of The Man in the Moon by Francis Godwin